truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today live and on demand. But not much in demand. It's just us. But we're here on the blaze. Nonetheless, I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-933-93 is the number. 888-933-93. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Three ways you can take advantage of that. One, just simply email the show, steve at stevedace.com. You can also like us on Facebook, which doesn't like us. So you need to like us there a lot. But if you get around to, you know, hitting that like button approximately three dozen times, sooner or later, it might actually be counted. And you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And for those of you that are just merely listening today via the Blaze Radio or on the podcast, so that handy little graphics pass package isn't there to learn how to spell the last name, it is D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening to us today on a podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, We would greatly appreciate that as we appreciate the thousands of you that have done this for us already. Coming up a little bit later on on the program, it's uh, the fun and frivolity known as our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. Who knows what topics will be addressed, which petulant, uh, banal, or banal, depending on the day, arguments uh, ended up getting uh, stoked uh, by that segment. We'll have today's truth bomb as well as our... Weekly Prophet of Woe and Lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be here to take us inside politics at the bottom of the hour. But first, we begin, as we always do, with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by socialism just hasn't been tried. Back in 2011, Bernie Sanders published and de facto endorsed an essay on his Senate website, which said, quote, These days, the American dream is more apt to be realized in South America in places such as Ecuador, Venezuela and Argentina, where incomes are actually more equal today than they are in the land of Horatio Alger, who's the banana republic now. In completely unrelated news, Venezuelan armored vehicles were caught on camera running over protesters yesterday in the violence and poverty-torn country. Those in the streets were reportedly anti-dictator Maduro protesters demonstrating near a military installation. Both Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and National Security Advisor John Bolton have not ruled out military intervention in Venezuela. But don't worry, if socialism doesn't get you, global warming will. I want to make sure that those who work in the oil and gas industry. Uh, Those who work in the fossil fuel industry are brought along as partners to make sure that we make this transition in the 10 years that we have left to us. Barack Obama, your thoughts? Leaders who who feed fear uh, typically are also ones who avoid facts. You call yourself an Obama Democrat? How is that different? I don't know. So I can't put a label on that. I don't know what it means. You don't know what an Obama Democrat means? I just know what I am, and I know what I got out to fight for. I just talked about it for the last hour and a half. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced yesterday that he and President Trump have agreed to seek $2 trillion for an infrastructure spending bill. Joe Biden formally announced his run for the White House the other day. Alyssa Milano, your thoughts. The thing that set this story, the, the Miss Flores story, apart from all the other stories is... Um, to Joe, this was a cultural difference mm-hmm. because culturally he was raised in a family that was super affectionate. 
A new study published by CNBC found that raising the minimum wage at restaurants resulted in higher food prices, elimination of manned positions, and the shrinkage of shifts for those who managed to keep their jobs. New York Senator and 2020 presidential candidate Kirsten Gillibrand released her plan for so-called democracy dollars, a $600 stipend which she says every voter can use to donate to campaigns of their choosing. You may remember Jacob Wool, the cultish idiot who tried to frame Robert Mueller unsuccessfully and who made up a false police report just a few months ago regarding online death threats as he was working on a story about Minnesota Congresswoman Ilan Omar. He's back at it again, allegedly. He apparently approached a homosexual man from Michigan with the expressed purpose of making up an allegation of sexual assault against Democrat presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg. It blew up in his face. And finally, Wake Forest is hosting a no-whites-allowed faculty and staff listening session with the purpose of promoting inclusivity. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at RidUZone. Uh, Doubt any of us has a stoplight there, right there at the kitchen table at dinner time, to tell us, hey, it's time to stop eating your foal. Uh, but uh, the good Lord did give us one. We do have some of those things uh, within our uh, systems. One of them is called OEA. The problem is those things um, have a tendency uh, to kind of slow down uh, the older that we get. So if you would like a, uh, that stoplight, but you know, not like a crazy, creepy one that's like physically standing there uh, at your dinner table, but maybe is inside your system, give Riduzone a try. It sends a signal to your brain that you're full. Uh, and it's only got three ingredients. Rice is one, the main one. The aforementioned OEA, a totally natural substance. This is not a stimulant, and it's caffeine-free. If you want to give this a shot, it was developed to help your stomach send a signal to your brain so that you can feel fuller naturally. Riduzone.com is the website. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com. You go there right now, you get a special offer. If you go to Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. So... Let's try to take um, uh, as many of these topics during the course of the time we have for Aaron's montage, uh, which means we might get to like three, knowing how much uh, Todd and Aaron uh, just keep talking. All we do is bloviate. Say that again. All we do is bloviate. Indeed. Yeah. Um, the uh, the socialism thing with Bernie Sanders. I, I That's d- an understatement. <laughs> I think that, I'm, that I, thing. I, and just before you say anything, I think I made it clear in the montage. He apparently didn't write that, but he de facto, he put it on the actual Senate.gov website sure. under a, a must read. He's defended Venezuela in yeah, the past. And he's just yeah. a few weeks ago, he was right. defending Maduro. So he'll come back. I was just spitballing, Steve, just a conversation what here. You, what did you say in 2011? <laughs> so, um, I, I don't think this hurts him with the base of support he has at all. Correct. All right? I'm not drawing a moral equivalency when I say this. I'm drawing just merely a political one. It is very similar to the Trump factor that uh, we in the Cruz campaign and others went up against in 2016, where there are certain things he said and did that for someone who was conventionally identified as a Republican anywhere on the spectrum, whether you're way to the right of where a Ted Cruz is or, you know, way to the left of where the other Texas Senator John Cornyn is or Lindsey Graham was or you're somewhere in the middle like Scott Walker was having that label attached to you and the expectations that go along with being a member of this exclusive club 
Yeah, if you had said and done some of the things that Trump did you in, in the primary, you wouldn't have made it to the general election. Those things, though, um, you know, he was Teflon Don. He was impervious to those things because he had attracted a different base of people, uh, a solid percentage. And I don't know, you know, just looking at our numbers and I'm spitballing here, I would guess conservatively that um, a quarter of the people nationwide that voted for Trump in GOP primaries in 2016 were previously registered as Democrats or maybe even had voted for Obama in the past. You know, so he had a different base that was operating out largely outside of that conventional system. And I th- think Bernie does well as well in the Democratic Party. Is that a fair comparison? Yeah, and that, you d- that described what you've said about Ron Paul to some extent in the past as well. I mean, he could say crazy things about um, Iran. Or do you remember those covers? But sure. it, it was built, yep. baked into the cake. Right. And that... Those comments and what's happening in Venezuela, I don't think Bernie Sanders, there's there's no one who gets up this morning, I think, that had already made their peace with supporting Bernie Sanders, who says, you know, I should have just listened to, you know, uh, every encyclopedia ever when they warned me about socialism. That No yeah, one's going to do that. This is self-evidently true. I agree. Okay. But I will say this. I don't in general, and I preached this the last primary cycle from my own personal experience, I don't in general put a lot of stock in national primary polls in the spring and the summertime. Before we have debates, months, we're, we're about eight months before the first vote in the Iowa caucus is expected to happen sometime late January, early February. So I, I normally don't put any stock in that. And there's been numerous examples of the guy who was in first place or the person who was in first place in April and May didn't win nominations. And you're on the record of saying this about that very large Republican field yes. recently. The size of bounce, however, that Joe Biden received in those polls. And maybe I just need to, re- maybe I need to permanently retire my old technocratic notions. But that, that was, uh, as Donald Trump would say, huge. I mean, by I mean that 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 was a larger bump than I am used to seeing from major announcements. And I wonder, and we like to give credit where credit is due on this show. Uh, you know, the notion I used last last year when analyzing the the midterm elections that there were two different elections happening and we would sit here probably at the end and come to the conclusion we should have guessed the outcome all along that most of the swing house districts were occurring where Hillary Clinton won and most of the Senate seats that were competitive were occurring where Donald Trump won and they would just split the difference and that's what happened, right? And remember, I I told you where I got that from was from Amy Walter at Cook Political Report. So I, I like to give attribution on the show, all right? You guys keep giving me credit for coining the phrase, you will be made to care. I keep telling you, I didn't come up with that phrase. Eric Erickson did, that's his phrase. Okay, so the this this analysis I'm about to give you, I think, is really good. And I want to give the person who came up with it credit because I actually saw this in my Twitter feed this morning on a video that Clay Travis posted, the Fox Sports um, uh, commentator who likes to deviate into non-sports topics. And if you know Clay's background, he used to work for Tom Daschle many years ago. Uh, He's been a Democrat many years. He just thinks they've gone off on a. He's just on a communist tilt, lives in Nashville, Tennessee. So, you know, he's, he, he's been on our show. He's not, he, and he's a college football fiend. So if you live in Nashville, Tennessee, and you are, and you are immersed in the college football world, you are surrounded with a lot of people who have views similar to people like us. Meaning you may not even agree with us, but you understand we're not a foreign entity. We're not something you may want to even beat us in an election, but we're not something like stamp out 
for all of civilization, like the current, you know, uh, dominant wing of uh, the emerging Democratic Party sees it. And he made this point today that I think is something to be considered. Which there's there's the Democrat there's there's the Democratic Party, and then there's the Democratic Party on Twitter and cable news. Who's in control here? Because the Democratic Party would rally to somebody like Joe Biden, he said. But the Democratic Party on Twitter and cable news can't stand him for all of the intersectionality reasons that we talk about all of the time. And how this relates to Bernie Sanders and what's happening in Venezuela. While I don't believe he loses any support of his supporters, this is the kind of event that could severely, I believe, limit his ceiling. And we've always kind of thought he was a high floor, low ceiling candidate. Anyway, he probably has 20% just by showing up, right? The question is how much more of that can he get? And, and I think this is the kind of event that could, call, could, could thwart him being able to raise enough of a base within the rest of the Democratic Party. And the reason why is because he already has to go into that intersectionality crowd in order to grow his base. The, the, the group of Democrats, the, the, the Joe Scarboroughs and Mikas of the world who like making their millions are never going to vote for that guy because they don't want him taking you know, uh, any more of their money. So he's got to wade into the intersectionality universe. And I could see a lot of that universe already saying, well, I don't want to support a white male as it is. I don't know. I think, I think there may be a segment. And I, I actually believe it would be good for the country if this were true. That doesn't mean I agree with almost anything that segment of the Democratic Party believes either. But it is not good for America to have only two political parties and to have one of them become an openly avowed communist party. That's not good. All right, if you understand the nature of human nature and, and competition and symbiotic relationships, whether it's sports, industry, and any inhuman endeavor, when there's two direct competitors, they have a tendency to have somewhat of a symbiotic relationship. And if one of them is, has literally gone off a historical cliff and there doesn't seem to be anything emerging to replace it, to punish it for doing that, then that's going to have an impact on, the, on, on, its, on its competitor. We just saw this a couple of months ago when Matt Gates, who is not Devin Nunez, Devin Nunez, Devin Nunez has made a career out of going after spying on Trump while he votes with the Democrats 80% of the time, literally, literally 80% of the time. His, his liberty score is like 25%, so 75% of the time. Matt Gates has a very good liberty score. But they go off on this, you know, they go over the historical cliff on the, gray, on the Green New Deal. He comes out with his new Green New Deal. Why? Because that's the nature of duopolies. That's the nature of competitive relationships when it's a duopoly. That's, that's the nature of any symbiotic relationship with human beings, marriage, pick anything where it's a duopoly, there is a, you, there is a certain feeding off of each other. And while that segment of the Democratic Party that could be showing up early in these early polls and saying, enough of this, just enough, 
okay? I'm pro-abort, I'm pro-gay, everything else. I, I don't want to live in Venezuela. I don't, I, I don't want to live in Moscow, 1978. I didn't take my honeymoon there. My, you know, like Bernie Sanders did. We went to frickin' Vegas, like everybody else, or Cabo, okay? You know, some norm, granted, it would be way to the left of what the center used to be. But it would actually be good for the country as a whole if there, if there was a way, because maybe we as well are too in tune to what happens on cable news and to political Twitter, because that's the world we live in as well. It would be good for the country if there was a segment remaining in the Democratic Party. Because here's the thing. We know we ain't moving the Republican Party any further right. Anybody want to argue with me on that? Floor is yours. I'll wait. Okay. So if we're not moving the Republican Party any further right, then we would then just let's do some math. If the Republican Party is not going any further right, then is it good for the country for the Democrats to even go further left? No. No. And I and I and, and so I could see, and that has me reconsidering maybe he and we aren't to the debates yet. But it has me reconsidering my reconsideration. You know, I reconsidered that I thought he would win the nomination and be clearly the biggest threat to Trump. And then we watched the crazy train that ensued over the last four months while the rest of these candidates ran as hard left as they could. And we thought he can't survive in this environment. We called him Jeb Bush 2020. Well, you know, I, I, I will, you know, the numbers are what they are. He had a massive polling bounce, massive. And when you've got the likes of Alyssa Milano going on MSNBC to begin their rationalizations, and it's not, today's May Day. We haven't, they haven't, what is it, uh, about uh, 12, 17 Eastern. They haven't burned the wicker man yet, have they? They haven't even burned the wicker man yet. It's only May 1. And we're still a few hours left from the, from the virgin sacrifice out there for our May Day parades. And... Already, Alyssa, normally we, we've seen rationalizations like this from us, right? Remember James Dobson? I can't ever vote for John McCain. He has no temperament for the presidency. I don't care if he's the nominee. He, Six uh, months later, he's on the same show. Well, you know, we got to vote for John McCain to save America. I mean, they, we, we've seen these things a million times. Normally, the rationalizations you see from a party's base, like what you just heard from Alyssa Milano in that montage, those normally show up like May Next year, <laughs> right? After the primary is virtually over and we pretty much know who's going to win this thing, right? We don't normally see people already beginning to, you know, show their backsides with these, you know, weak need, easily laughed at rationalizations to get behind their party nominee this early. And I, I wonder... If there is a, if maybe there still is another Democratic Party out there somewhere that is saying, even if we believe some of these things, the way we are showing this to the American people, this, you know, uh, we have to have some semblance of self awareness. People don't want to live in Venezuela, Alexandria. They don't want to live. They want to live there. Okay. People don't want to take their honeymoons to Moscow, burn. Thank you. You know, from your three houses in Vermont. It's time for the adults. Even the semi-Marxist ones here to take over. Your thoughts, Todd? Well, I know that part of the party exists, and we saw it in how it uh, screwed, genuinely screwed Bernie 
last time with Hillary Clinton and the delegates, you know, manipulating things along those lines. So, of course, it exists, but it doesn't control the day-to-day energy of the party, and that's only become more of the case since the last election. So I, I still maintain that, of course, Joe is the most dangerous if he gets to the general, um, but I, I still believe it is going to be incredibly challenging for him to get there. Right now, this bounce, while real and it must be considered, this this is not necessarily a pro-Joe bounce. It's an anti-Trump bounce. It's a, I hate Donald Trump, and he's the most identical guy, guy right now. But as you said, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't had that debate. We haven't seen uh, Beto get up there and talk about we have 10 days left to live from global warming and how Joe and everybody reacts to that. So it, it it's a reasonable hold tight that you're giving, um, but no one should be thinking that there's any inevitability. And I know that's not what you're saying no, with Joe not, Biden. No, what I'm thinking, though, he may have more of a chance to survive in this environment than I thought. You brought up Beto because that's where I wanted to go next. If suppose there, let's let's fast forward. The first debate is in a is sometime in June, so a couple about a month or so away, and this topic comes up. Tell me what happens when Joe Biden, not what happens on Rachel Maddow, because if you look at the ratings for MSNBC and CNN, nobody's really watching that. Not even their own bases are really watching that right now. I mean, CNN's primetime lineup, essentially their audience consists of, if you look at April's ratings, CNN's primetime audience ratings, guys, consist, their audience consists of, I'm trapped in an airport, help me, I've fallen and I can't get out. Or I'm working conservative media and I can't generate clicks off of Trump gets $2 trillion, makes $2 trillion infrastructure scam deal with Nancy and Chuck. So I got to hate tweet CNN. Tell me who else is watching that, looking at their ratings. It's just, see, I used to say, you remember me saying this, you said about Rage Against the Machine. They thought they were doing pro-communist music, but they really just existed to provide talk radio shows, really cool bumper music. Remember I said that mm-hmm. years ago? CNN simply exists to provide click conservatives content. At, at this point, that's the only purpose of the network when you look at their ratings. They're not doing anything else other than providing content for people that do what we do for a living. So outside of that arena, when the topic of global warming or well, I'll even use their language for the sake of this argument. When climate change comes up, what happens if Joe Biden turns to Beto O'Rourke and says, Congressman, I, I appreciate your passion. You know, I've been fighting on this issue in Congress for the last two decades. And let me tell you what doesn't convince the American people to do the right thing. This sort of alarmism that is easily disproven. It's easily panned. We make ourselves targets for the other side to ridicule us and ignore the science. I mean, I, you know, Al Gore was writing a book in 1991 that we had a decade left, you know, we would have never made it through the eight glorious years of the Barack Obama presidency if Al Gore was correct about that. So, you know, we don't, th- th- these sorts of hystericals, these don't sell to the American people. They play right into Donald Trump's hands, who's a maestro with hystericals, who's a maestro demagogue. And with, 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 if you want to defeat Donald Trump and you want to advance progressive policy, it's going to take what we did for eight years in the Obama administration successfully. It's going to take mature, lucid leadership that actually can make a credible case to the American people and not flailing at night on cable news. What happens if he says something like that? 
Other than the last part about referring to the Obama administration and what they did do and gussying that up, there's no way he says anything like that. There's there's no way Joe Biden does it. He, he, but what happens if he does? If, He's wanted this office. He first ran for it in 1988. In 1988, you and I were in high school. We didn't have driver's licenses. Aaron, Aaron wasn't a gleam in his mom and dad's eye. He wouldn't say that? You know, nothing close to that? What do you think, I, Aaron? Let's say, so some of these polls actually have them up around like 38%. Yeah, that's a massive bump. Let's say that that is 10%, 10, 10 points off, shall we? Let's just, let's pretend that it's 10 points off and that his support, let's say, heck, let's even say it's 15% off. His support is around 25% then, 25%. So you're telling me, basically the question we have to answer is, who among the 5,000 other Democrats is going to approach that. If their votes are going to be split, really, in reality, it's going to be 21, 20, 21 different ways. Mm-hmm. And in, in, let's say, practically speaking, maybe six or seven different ways. Who among maybe the top six or seven are going to be able to even approach that? And so I think this, this part of the conversation, if I'm understanding it correctly, I think this part of the conversation is kind of moot. Because if nobody else can be... Uh, competitive to Biden on a debate stage, he's not going to need to wade into uh, any of the SJW stuff. He would like to, I'm sure. But if that polling is correct, if this this is all hinged upon, if it's correct, and even if it's wrong and it's off, it's overestimating his support by 15%, um, the path is there fairly easy so long as there is a lot of of other uh, um, competitors in the race. If it, for as many votes as he may get, though, from people who are sick of everything and think finally a grown up somewhere, he will lose votes on his own side. You do think so? I do think so. Now you, I don't that, know that, that was my next question. Is this what's the point of diminishing returns? Um, what's the risk factor of, of yeah. doing what I just suggested? A, I, a very a nice, polite, gentlemanly. Not 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 near the stern rebuke Bill Clinton gave Sister Soldier back in the day when this base was at the dawn and advent of political correctness when it was the first time it really tried to assert its will in the Democratic Party um, this far left and he put it down publicly to their face sternly but like a gentlemanly calm I agree with you in principle but this isn't the way to win over the country adultish what what, what what's the blowback on that. What is the blowback from pagans on any issue most of the time? It's a cult. This is their faith. They're not going to take that from Joe Biden or anybody else. We don't use that on this show. And I mean, I'm preaching to the choir with you. We don't use it as some, you know, clever little little rhetorical tool. They're pagans. Mm -hmm. They're going to fight back. Would you at least agree with me then? And I'm glad you're being skeptical of my point because I think that's good uh, as we think this through. Do you think there's some legitimacy to Clay Travis's point at the very least? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Do you agree with me, though, that the kind of rationalization Alyssa Milano is doing on MSNBC, we typically don't see that this early. That, that's typically the kind of thing you see when you're like, crap, I, my guy's not going to win and I got to get, get my seat at the table I now. I also agree with that, but the notion of what we typically do or do not see is pretty much, I mean, you learn that. With That's your true. prognostication, we- That's true. The fundamentals haven't changed, but the 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 uh, what is you know kind of uh, acceptable practices has changed has changed quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. 
right now, there's millions. How many? 50, maybe 50 million Americans uh, that have their kids attending government schools and uh, where the likes of Alyssa Milano are in control uh, at the moment. And they're not even trying to hide what their, what their goal is, what the aims are. Uh, the, the goal is to indoctrinate your kids. Uh, and not only that, but get rid of real world skills like reading, writing, arithmetic, American history, and replacing those things with social justice, gender confusion, and test-driven instruction. Why is test-driven instruction important? Well, the, the, the right reason they'll tell you is, is because those standardized tests have such a huge say in your kid's academic future. But the real reason is, because if we only teach to a standardized test, then we're not, we don't have to worry about teaching critical thinking. We're not teaching them to think for themselves. And we want to teach them instead. We want to you know, condition them to be good little status conformists. That's where Freedom Project Academy comes in and, and really why it was created in the first place. It's an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students in kindergarten through high school. Uh, Freedom Project Academy uh, uses the interaction of the traditional classroom for an online atmosphere. Students around the country are instructed together by live teachers who teach students how to think not what to think. If you want to learn more about this as you're getting set to make decisions on uh, the next academic year as this one uh, wraps up, here's what you need to do. Get your free, informa- free information packet today at freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. When we come back, we'll, take, uh, we'll have a further analysis of this conversation and i'm guessing he'll have angles to this we haven't even considered knowing him Uh, daniel horowitz will take us inside politics we'll also have the conversation should the u.s militarily intervene into venezuela we'll discuss that and more next right here live and on demand on the blaze stay tuned Well, this seems like an apropos time to mention a giving the conversation we just had and we're about to continue having and, and monitoring the situation that's happening in Venezuela, where essentially you're watching the fulfillment of what the new emerging Democratic Party wants to do to America uh, take place and melt down uh, as we speak in real time. And and that's why we're we're pleased to announce one of our new partners here on the show is Swiss America. We're going to get Craig R. Smith on the show soon because he is a great guest. And he knows his stuff. So we got to get him on. He's the grand poobah over there at Swiss America. And they are concerned about what uh, the next generation's uh, increasing, or this generation really, increasing embrace of socialism may mean for your retirement, for uh, your investment, for your portfolio, the hard work that you've put in. And they want to help you protect yourself as much as you possibly can. So they're offering you a protect your wealth report. That's what it's called. Protect your wealth report. And you can get and read this vital report for free right now if you call Swiss America at 800-289-2646. It's right there on the screen for those of you watching today on The Blaze. 800-289-2646 or go to their website, SwissAmerica.com. That's SwissAmerica.com. Protect your wealth from what's coming down the pipe, okay? Uh, You earned it. It's yours, all right? Be a good steward uh, of uh, of the of that which has been provided to you and that you've also earned. The worker is worth his hire. 800-289-2646, SwissAmerica.com. Let's go to our good friend, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz joins us. Take us inside politics. Good to see you, brother. How are you? 
I'm doing all right from one fellow undocumented conservative to another. <laughs> you know, what's funny is when we had the when, when we were having our battles with the uh, GOP over immigration five, six, seven years ago, you might remember I coined the phrase undocumented Democrats to talk about uh, these uh, rhinos for, uh, for, for immigration. And then I started a fantasy football league right after that with some of my political buddies. And yep. one of them named his team undocumented Democrats. We have come full circle now that we, we have gone from calling them undocumented Democrats to we are now the undocumented we conservatives. The yes. Let's talk about Venezuela from a couple different perspectives. Let, let's talk first of all about potential military intervention. On one hand, I understand why uh, uh, Mr. You know, Secretary uh, Pompeo, Pompeo, uh, John Bolton, why they would not take it off the table blanketly in order to at least keep that dangling uh, participle over the head of Maduro. I understand why they wouldn't take it off the table in public. But it, it, why does it have to jump to we must put troops on the ground? Why aren't we arming these rebels, for example? Okay, why aren't we why aren't we sitting in the, saying, hey, this is where the bad guys are. Go get them and we'll give you the means by which to to uh, to get rid uh, of this tyrannical regime. Is there nothing in between? Let's put the American soldier in another Renicop position. There's nothing else we can do other than that. And maybe that's the right solution here. I don't know. What do you think? There's armed cartel members at our border orchestrating an invasion and I was told by Border Patrol and the military that if they're six inches away from our border, we will not nab them. Somehow we never take the military option off the table when it comes for America. Just so you know, our mil military exists by, for, and of other countries' citizenry. Now look, unlike in some other Middle Eastern dumpster fires with Sunnis and Shias fighting, you do have you know genuinely good people trying to fight socialism, being mowed down. Um, I think we need to separate out our moral feelings, our, our um, solidarity with people, and our feelings about domestic socialism and what it does and the lessons to learn to strategic foreign policy and military interest of the United States of America. Um, that, that's a very different policy. This is a long, uh, long discussion, and it's a frustrating discussion. The reason is because for three to four decades – we have flushed trillions of dollars and lives, time, treasure, talent, energy, political capital, military capital in the sinkhole of the Middle East while ignoring Latin America, not doing the carrot and stick approaches with building up Brazil and Argentina and Colombia in the right way, not in a welfare way, um, and isolating actors in Venezuela, in Bolivia, in Uruguay, in Peru – um, some of the Caribbean countries, obviously Cuba, um, we didn't assert a Monroe Doctrine. So what that has done is it has allowed Russia, China, and particularly in Venezuela, Iran, Turkey, and Cuba to get involved, each create constituencies, paramilitary forces. Um, you got it. You, you have several hundred thousand Arab diaspora. A lot of people forget that in Venezuela. The interior minister who was the former VP until recently is uh, Tariq Al-Asyami. Uh, very uh, Spanish-sounding name there. I was going to um, say, hola. Uh, uh, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Movie Syrian beyond. descent. Yeah. So there's actually – the comparison to Syria is actually very apt. Um, there's a lot of cross-pollination with the Syrian-Lebanese diaspora there. It's a very complicated country. So if you parachute in 40 years later, hey, Daniel, what do we do? The Russians, the Cubans, they're bad. Yeah, I agree. 
But unfortunately, because we screwed it up and we gave Russia that leverage, Moscow holds the keys. So even if we felt it was in our interest to do a military invasion, there really is nothing to do because it's the same problem. And I would argue that I don't even know if we have anyone to arm at this point. It's, it's, It's a Syrian dumpster fire. With that said, <clears throat> it's always soft leverage that works. The goal now should not be to get involved militarily. It should be to get Maduro out. And the way to get Maduro out is with soft power, and that's one person. That is Putin. Putin uses <clears> – <throat> if you understand Putin's use of Latin America – and by the way, he's all over the place. He's in Nicaragua to a certain extent, the Mexican uh, – the Russian um, – mob, which is an extension of Putin, is involved in Mexico City. They're all over Latin America. They don't have plans to take over the world like the Chinese do, and that's a whole separate story. But what they do want is to use Latin America like a strategic chessboard to pressure us. Hey, um, I don't want NATO and your prerogatives here, so I'm going to screw up your backyard. That's Mm -hmm. how Putin acts. That's why Maduro was about to leave. He had his gold stowed away and was going to leave, and Putin told him to stay. What we need to do is do the reverse Putin. Here's what Reagan would do. Um, First of all, we need to vitiate our relationship with Cuba that Obama created, where we don't even, we've agreed not to even force them to take back their criminal aliens. So we need to, full sanctions on Cuba. That's a separate thing. We need to go up to Putin and say, hey, baby, I know you want us to get our assets out of Poland, but actually I was thinking of putting more missiles in Poland. Um, you know, we're, we're going to start building up there. We're a little bit done with some of the Middle East, but we're going to build up our assets in Poland. And you know that New START treaty that Obama signed? Well, I'm not Obama. This is a different era. We're not going to uh, extend that treaty. Mm-hmm. We're going to start, start beef, beefing up our nuclear offensive and defensive capabilities. That's how you get him to back down. In other words, we're going um, to give Helmut Kohl nuclear weapons in West Berlin, and then we're going to give a speech right after that that says, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's the kind of approach you're talking about. Exactly. It's just like the military is just not the tool. I actually think it's the tool to create a buffer zone in Mexico um, with the cartels so we have our own freaking country. That's the consummate use of the military I see now. And one other thing, um, Steve, why is nobody asking, don't you need Congress so I know anything that happens in the Middle East from now until God plants his uh, feet on the Mount of Olives uh, is covered by the 2001 AUMF. It does, it does seem that way. I, I get that. Yeah. But Venezuela, I mean, dude, you can't say that's covered by it. So, like, don't you – I mean, and, and again, I'm not just being a legal stickler for the Constitution, which we should be, but there's a philosophy behind it. Because by having a debate, you would ask these questions. Mm-hmm. What's the risk versus return matrix? Sure. What do we hope to accomplish? What's the after? Who's going to fill the vacuum? Who are the constituencies that the Cubans, the Turks, the Iranians, and the Russians are filling? And how do we deal with the endless insurgencies? Is this going to work? We don't ask these questions anymore because we don't have a congressional debate. How does this impact domestic politics? You know, I was just talking with uh, with with Todd and Aaron here before you came on. You know, I, it's hard for me to set aside my old technocratic data guy, um, you know, background in politics, and and seeing that size of a bump that Joe Biden has received makes me wonder if there is maybe there is outside of Twitter 
and outside of cable news, a segment of the Democratic Party that's like, um, we don't want to be Venezuela. We didn't take our honeymoon to Moscow like you did, Bernie. We went to Vegas, Cabo, Hawaii, you know, like normal people do. Okay. Uh, we hate Trump too, you know, but uh, we're not interested in hammer and sickle. So we're just not down with that. Watching, you know, uh, this was a regime that Sanders praised just a few weeks ago. He's praised Venezuela uh, multiple times uh, in the past. Watching this thing implode, what dom- what domestic political impact does this have on the Democratic primary race, in your view, as you look at the sizable bounce Joe Biden has received in the last week? And, and, and not just the data, but an- but anecdotally. We played a clip before you came on of Alyssa Milano going on MSNBC. And, and you know, they all, we always see rationalizations like this in Republican and Democratic circles, right? The guy you really wanted didn't win, but I got to get my seat at the table, right? And so I, you know, I, 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 I assume the position, I, I genuflect, I say what I'm supposed to say, and yeah, but the other side, blah, blah. To, to, for, for her to be already rationalizing his Me Too behavior, in May of 2019, we normally see these rationalizations in May of the actual election year, <laughs> after the after the primary has been decided. It's like that's when everybody races to get their chair before the music stops playing, right? To see people already doing these rationalizations now, maybe there is. How much do you think this impacts that race in our domestic politics? So I don't know yet how much Venezuela itself impacts because I don't know how many Americans in their brain, frankly, know enough about Maduro or who he is. Frankly, a lot of them probably think Chavez is still a president there. (laughs) Um, So I don't know how much their brains know, really. I mean, connect that to domestic policy. I don't want to overplay that. But I think in general, your sense about Biden is right. I mean, some people might disagree with me, but I'm. You know, I'm of the belief that at least at this point, I think Biden's really the only one with a shot of defeating Trump. Now, some of this has to do just with a little bit with re- what Republicans have had with a, you know, a field of 20 people in the past where you have one, you know, sitting or former 8-year vice president, well-known, 100% name ID, and you have the, you know, radicals dividing themselves among 19 guys without name recognition, but one guy like Bernie who has the name recognition. So that gives him his advantage, but I think what you're seeing is that Biden has had the biggest most severe hits on him with the touching women, especially in this whole um, volatile era of Me Too. And that's what surprises me despite that, meaning it's not just, oh, he's doing well because he has more name ID, but he had the headwinds and he's still doing this well. I think you're right. I think See, I think the name ID was the lead he had before he announced. Yes. Okay? I don't think name ID factors into the size of the boost he got. That was the lead he had before he announced. That's why the size of boost he's had since he announced has gotten my attention. You and I both know, you know, he's going to be more liberal than Obama just because the Mm -hmm. Democrats, you know, get more liberal. But I think he doesn't exude like, I'm going to pummel you with illegals and you're going to pay for it. Right. America sucks. He somehow is He's never going to go on CNN and say, we're going to all die in 10 years from global warming like Beto O'Rourke just did, for example. Yeah. Or or just, just again, his persona, it's generational. Heck, he was tough on crime. They're trying to hit him on it in the primaries. But you know my belief that, you know, the average Democrat voter is to the right of um, some of our friends in conservative think tank world and politics on the right. And, you know, the reality is he has a campaign slogan he coined, make America moral again. And, you know, I always 
I, I marvel at the fact that the left is so good at speaking to the morality of their immorality, and our side refuses to speak to the morality. You notice in all my writings, mm -hmm. I speak to the immorality of what's going on with illegal immigration, the immorality of our foreign policy, the immorality of crony capitalism. I try to do that. Few people on our side do that, and certainly no elected officials. Their side is really good at that. Um, for people that are awfully secular, they understand that people are looking for something fulfilling. I think that's a terrific slogan. We should have taken that slogan, um, but nobody on our side will let us do it because, oh, we can't go back to those days of um, uh, social conservatism. But you know that speaks to a lot of people, and um, I think that entire crowd that you and I talk about that would be prone to join a new party that fights cultural Marxism, ironically, even though he'll promote it, but I think he could do a good job uh, picking up those votes. Daniel, always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for joining us here again on Blaze TV this week. We'll see you next time, okay? Take care. God bless. Daniel's appearance brought to you by our friends at uh, WaxRx. If you have uh, been dreading going to the doctor uh, because you've got that plugged up feeling, uh, itchy ears, ear pain, and you're like, I don't want to wait. I don't have time to deal with this. Uh, I don't want to pay a copay. I don't want to worry about having to wait and get a prescription, yada, yada, yada. All the excuses now, no need for them anymore because WaxRx gives you the same exact results and, and style of treatment, but in the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription. It uses a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes that earwax buildup and then soothes the ear after it's done, just like you'd get if you went to the doctor's office. And you can try it right now, risk-free, if you go to usewaxrx.com. That's the website, all one word, usewaxrx, all one word. Usewaxrx.com. And when you go to checkout, uh, type in the word radio there for free shipping. All right. Usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Some thoughts, gentlemen, on what we just heard from our uh, good friend Daniel Horowitz. Aaron, you got short shifted think, last time, so I'll start with you. I think we can never, I, I, I hate saying this because it sounds so condescending, but I think it's the truth. I don't think, uh, along the lines of something Daniel said in passing, I don't think we can ever underestimate the ability of most Americans to be unaware or not care about something um, in the context of Venezuela, because I'm not sure. I mean, can you point to Venezuela on a map? I mean, what's a Venezuela? So I'm not sure how much something like this could um, could hurt anybody right now, even Bernie Sanders. I think what becomes more dangerous is um, when it gets closer to the election. It just depends on what kind of ads are ran, run against him and how many ads uh, get in front of how many eyeballs. That's that's basically, I think, what's what, what it's going to come down to. I don't think anybody is going to have their minds made up one way or the other, you know, after thinking through this a little bit more. I don't think anybody will have their minds made up one way or the other because of what's going on in Venezuela right now with regards to Bernie Sanders. Um, but as far as Joe Biden goes, um, kind of, I, I don't know. It's, it is difficult to say, again, one way or the other, that this, is, this polling boost that he got is actually going to help him. Who knows? I, it's just way too early. So I'm going to err with what you originally said, pay not much attention to these early primary season polls because literally anything can happen. Have we even, do we even know if we've seen the big guns from the other candidates when it comes to Joe Biden? 
I don't think we know that we have. Maybe we have. That volley of, of accusations against him might have been the big guns, and there might be nothing else. But I would say just, um, yeah, I, I would say just take it easy right now on these polling numbers, even though they are impressive. I'll tell you this. I never saw anything like this for Jeb Bush. So I'm at the very least, I'm removing my Jeb Bush 2020 comparison. Never saw anything like this for him. And I think the problem with the going with their big guns is at the same time that reached a point of diminishing returns, he was Barack Obama's sure. vice president for eight years. So you're, anything that comes out about Joe Biden indirectly, if not directly, implicates Barack Obama at the exact same time. Your thoughts, Todd? Oh, well, they're, they're fine being double-minded. I mean, this is the principle that you said about, uh, you know, remember that guy named uh, President Obama? You know, they come and they go, Hobbs, they come and they go. I mean, really, I don't think they're going to be hampered by that at all. It, 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 their hunger for what they believe will be, I mean, he will have to endure that punch in the face, Biden. I mean, it, it's coming. There will no be, be no negotiating it away in a back room. And so it's just a matter of whether he can weather it. I agree not. it's coming. But man, he's built himself up uh, quite a, a some insulation to with, more insulation to withstand the storm than I thought he had a couple of weeks ago. At the very least, I'm willing to say that. We'll come back. Hour two is next, live and on demand on the Blaze. Stay tuned right here. All right, we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on The Blaze. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. If you're one of the millions of Americans living with chronic pain, that's pain as a result of inflammation, all right? If you've got an injury, go to the doctor and get it treated, okay? Or follow the treatment that you were given. Injuries and inflammation are not the same thing, necessarily, all right? It's kind of like playing football back in the day. Coach used to say, hey, are you hurt or are you injured, okay? Are you hurting? That would be the inflammation. Or are you injured, right? Like, there's, an anti-inflammatory is not going to repeal a, 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 you know, a knee ligament, okay? So I want to make sure we, we understand what I'm talking about here. But if millions of Americans are living daily with inflammation, that, that's uh, chronic pain. Um, and a lot of us are taking a lot of drugs and just kind of helping to treat the symptoms. Let me introduce you to a product that has had amazing results for many people here at The Blaze. It's called Relief Factor. It's 100% drug-free. It's created by physicians, you know, people who write uh, prescriptions. Um, and it's only got four key ingredients. And the goal of these ingredients is to help your body win that fight against inflammation. And right now you can get a three-week quick start. Try it for essentially a dollar a day. And they offer this quick start program because the people that sign up for this, so many of them see such positive results in just a few weeks, they end up going ahead and, and sticking with the product on a regular basis. All right, if you want to try the three-week quick start, 20 bucks, dollar a day. You got an extra 20 bucks laying around. If you've been dealing with this kind of chronic pain, uh, what do you got to lose? Except maybe, hopefully, finally, the pain. Here's all you need to do. Go to the website, relieffactor.com. Again, that's relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. All right, let's get to today's Truth Bomb, brought to you by my most recent book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies 
that conservatives believe to our own demise. Get your copy today at Amazon. And if you have read the book and you like it, if you'd leave us a positive review there at Amazon.com, I would uh, greatly appreciate it. So we uh, we had this uh, YouTuber. We we played his video. Oh, it's about a month and a half ago when uh, before right before Captain Marvel came out. And talking about how he was just beyond sick and tired of the identity politics and intersectionality that was invading his beloved MCU. You guys remember this guy? He was the yep. critical drinker. Yep, That's critical his name. drinker. Okay. So lo and behold, since all the family has now seen the movie, no one I felt safe to go ahead last night and jump on YouTube and watch all the Easter egg videos and stuff and the breakdowns of, uh, of Endgame. Um, and, and, lo- and, and showing up in my feed is another video from our new friend, the Critical Drinker. I, I should hesitate saying that. We may go to his website and find out he's got like a Pepe the Frog. We love the Critical icon Drinking icon and though. stuff, you know? I, I, and, and so I, the only thing I know about this guy are these two videos, all right? And he is giving his reasons why he loves the MCU, but he's done with it. He thinks he's done with it after Avengers Endgame. And here's the number two reason that he gives. Watch this can see pretty clearly the direction the MCU is heading in the real world, and to be honest, it doesn't look good. People like Brie Larson and even Kevin Feige have made no secret of the fact that diversity, representation and social justice is going to be their big drive going forward. Because, you know, outdated concepts like great storytelling and interesting characters have just been dragging the MCU down all these years, and they need to be abandoned now in favour of the endless pursuit of social justice. Because if there's one thing I want from my escapist superhero fantasy movies, it's to be constantly bombarded with the same relentless political propaganda that we have to put up with in every other form of entertainment. Just remember, guys, you can never escape it now, no matter where you go. There's literally nowhere that hasn't been infiltrated by this stuff. So now that most of our favourite characters have bowed out in one way or another, we can expect them to make way for an ever more diverse cast of heroes, chosen based on their skin colour, gender and sexual orientation. Because obviously those are what really matter about a person, not their personality or their life experience or their skills and abilities, just arbitrary characteristics they were born with. And of course, the MCU is going to be headed up by an invincible, flawless, unstoppable goddess that can do anything, beat anyone with ease, and has no weaknesses, fears, vulnerabilities, or even personality. A character who effectively makes everyone else redundant because she can already do anything she needs to. Who wouldn't be excited by a character like that? I mean, the storytelling possibilities are endless. And to top it all off, she's played by an arrogant, preachy, self-aggrandizing, divisive, blank-faced moron who has nothing even resembling human charisma. A woman who cares about nobody and nothing except pushing her personal politics into everything she does while congratulating herself on her own magnificence every step of the way. Even Jeremy Renner couldn't hide his excitement at working with her. Don't look at it with responsibility. I mean, I'm... I am committed to self-improvement, and I 
work at being the best person that I can be and using this platform for as much good as I can. But it doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes, but I'm very comfortable with that and allowing myself to learn from those mistakes. It was exciting to learn that there are plans for an all-female Avengers movie already, which totally won't exclude half of the fan base, not to mention a push for more LGBT representation. As a little thought experiment, take a moment to ponder what the reaction would be online if they announced an all-male Avengers movie. Go ahead, I'll wait. The point here is that social justice and identity politics has been starting to creep into the MCU movies over the past couple of years, and everyone's too afraid to talk about it. Black Panther was the most insanely overhyped movie in history, but no mainstream critic in his right mind would dare to criticise it for fear of being called racist. And while Captain Marvel was less of a disaster than I expected, in terms of storytelling and character development, it sat comfortably in the lowest tier of Marvel movies. And this is the character that's supposed to be leading the MCU into Phase 4, everyone. Just take a moment to think about that. You know, it's a pretty damning indictment of the state of our media that one of my biggest emotions as I came out of Endgame was gratitude. I was grateful that they managed to get this final movie over the line without identity politics tarnishing it too badly. I was grateful that my favourite heroes for the past 10 years were allowed to bow out with dignity and respect. And I was grateful that idiots like Brie Larson weren't allowed to steal their thunder. It felt like the last defiant stand of quality storytelling in the face of social justice, and I was grateful the movie did it. That last part especially is exactly how I felt, I felt when I walked out of the movie. I, I was not just satisfied, excited, hyped that I'd been through an incredible experience, emotionally drained at everything the movie puts you through. I, I also was like... Got this one across the finish line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the posse's coming, guys. The posse is coming. Your thoughts on that video. But by the way, that clip, I said this to Aaron a minute ago as it was running. That clip of Jeremy Renner with, sitting next to Brie Larson as she is uh, uh, congratulating herself, That that it's May 1. Year's not half over. That is right now. Leader in the clubhouse video clip of the year on our year-end shows come December. Leader in the clubhouse right now. That clip is unbelievable. I mean, absolutely. That takes, that takes, what was it? Uh, uh, Saflack or whatever, Crying Ben, uh, you know, when uh, Dawn of Justice came out, the look on Ben, uh, oh, yeah. Ben Affleck's face, whatever that was, that is at a whole different level. I had read some stories in conservative media about that clip and I thought it can't be that bad. It is. <laughs> yeah, this is one time the click servatives. I owe you. You guys were. You guys didn't click bait that one enough. When you see that body language, wow. I mean, that clip is amazing. Your thoughts, Todd? Well, you know what it honestly <laughs> reminds me of. I'm going full on uh, a book of Job. Or you know, Ryan Reynolds- Right, he's been there since the beginning of right. this thing, and this is he going to turn to Brie Larson? Were you there when I yeah, slay Leviathan? Exactly. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Were we you there when I put two in Loki's ass? We let shut you, up. We let you yes. into this thing two minutes ago. Stop popping off. Um, listen, I, 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 I actually enjoyed Captain uh, Marvel. I, I thought I thought it's a decent uh, movie. It's something I'll I'll be fine showing my girls to. But the fact that 
that Captain Marvel character is in the final. Well, can we talk about this? Are we back past? I mean, yeah, we did we yesterday, did, did but yesterday, I didn't know. So if we're, we're past it now. Spoiler alert. Okay. Okay. But just the fact that she's in it at the beginning to find Tony Stark, which makes sense. Then she is pretty much gone until the end, and she she's turned into a human missile that de- destroys his ship. Mm-hmm. But she's not focused on there either. It's because it is impossible to focus on her within this universe for all the reasons he just laid out. Like both both in terms of everything she is anybody even necessary based on what they've created and yeah, there's if, no kryptonite if, like there yeah. is with superman for example if not that's yeah. really really boring and, and by the way she's not been a successful uh, comic book it's been rebooted this is like the fourth version of this character so you know this is not they've had they've struggled for her uh, they've wanted her to be their the the Marvel Wonder Woman, but they have struggled for her to to find a niche and an audience. And a lot of it is for the reasons that you just articulated. You don't really, you know, th- that's why I think in the movie they really played up the lost memories, trying to humanize her, because there, there's there's you really have a struggle to connect with somebody who's essentially, you know, what's the opposite of the Uber mensch? The Uber wench is that is, is that the word? I mean, she has she's the pinnacle of it. She has really no weaknesses as far as I know. You know, unless she runs into somebody like Thanos who has a similar power, and he and, and for a while it looks like it looks like they're setting her up. There's one scene yeah. there at the end <laughs> where it looks like they're setting her up that she's going to be the hero, yeah. and then he just freaking gets the drop on her. Okay, but um, your thoughts on that video, Aaron? Yeah, I think uh, still the main word that comes to my mind is satisfying, but I think grateful actually is a good word, and that's a word that you use in your latest um, piece today up at at the blaze um, talking about uh, the Avengers and, and the Marvel cinematic universe grateful that they did to this movie. I thought what they could and should have done what um, uh, JJ Abrams, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, the, the guy who did Kevin epi- Feige. No, the guy who did episode uh, seven, Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson should yeah. have done for Luke in, in that film. Um, and, and in, and JJ Abrams should have done in uh, episode uh uh, episode seven, what I think Ryan Johnson should have done in episode eight with Luke. Ryan J.J. Uh, Abrams should have done in episode seven with Han Solo. I mean, they're just there was no dignity, there was no uh, not much redemption. I mean, Luke kind of redeems himself, yeah, he does, but it's kind of in a I thought it was in a really weird way where he's teleporting himself across the universe, teleporting. It was just lame. I thought I thought the whole thing was lame. Nothing about this was lame at all. And they, they, again, cannot say enough good things about the way they did this. And I agree with pretty much all of, all of uh, Critical Drinkers' analysis. Well, as I wrote today in The Blaze, and it, it kind of picking up on what you said in our show yesterday when we talked about this, Aaron, we have those 22 films in that 40-plus hours. They can't take that away. They can't even snap their fingers and take that away. So whatever they do from here... Uh, I know you're not supposed to mix the uh, DC and uh, Marvel universes, but I've always, since I was a kid, I've been a fan of both, so I don't care about that stuff. I go back to the line that uh, Russell Crowe's Jor-El gives to Zod in the beginning of uh, of, a, of the Man of Steel movie when his old friend um, leads an armed, violent revolt against uh, a body that has lost its usefulness, and Jor-El is, was just railing against them himself. But it's one thing uh, to petition them. It's another thing to just walk in and start murdering people. And Jor-El looks at him when Zod urges him to join the revolution, 
to get woke. Got to get woke up here, up on, up on here on Krypton. Time to get woke. And Jorah looks at him and he says, I will honor the man you once were, Sod. No. And if, they if and when they choose to go down this road, I will honor the Marvel Cinematic Universe that has been a tremendous blessing over the last 10 years and just go back and relive those times and those moments as well. Let's get to it. It's our weekly edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. This is where our producer, Aaron, well, really you guys, and then Aaron just puts them on screen for us. So this is where our producer, Aaron, originally was supposed to come up with propositions on various topics for Todd and I to either say we're going to buy that, going to sell that, give a reason why. Uh, once per episode, we're permitted to put a hold on something, but if it's for any reason other than it's utter lameness, uh, the dude code calls for us to be scorned and mocked accordingly. But this is morphed into Aaron just going on Twitter saying, give me some stuff so I can put it on the air and not work this week. Yep. Um, and the following is what we in the Bidna call a tease. There is going to be one proposition this week that's going, I guarantee, guarantee, it's going to cause Todd to stroke out. <laughs> okay. I guarantee it. All right. Outstanding. Uh, first one, though, is from Constantinus Roditis, who Take sponsors but does not fund this part, portion of the program. He says the original 1978 Superman movie was the initial catalyst that gave birth to the popularity of the superhero genre, the Batman 1989 movie. So we're buying all three of these together. This is a parlay. The second part of this, the Batman 1989 movie reinvigorated the genre, and Iron Man, this is the third part, in 2008, solidified the genre as an unstoppable multi-billion dollar movie industry. You buy all that? You want to go first? Y yeah, Chris, uh, when, does the f when does Batman Begins come out? 2005. So that's before Iron Man? Yeah. Then I'll have to sell on that alone, I think. That I mean, The Dark Knight came out 2008, too. came out the same year, actually. Okay. I, I mean, I it's it's sound thinking, but I do think Batman begins before Iron Man is just... That's the, an arguable point, so I'll sell. If you want to amend the last sentence to Iron Man launched... Um, the the greatest achievement in modern uh, cinema with a shared universe, you know, executed over 10 years, then I would 100% buy. But uh, as the great prophet Meatloaf once sang, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. I know it's a parlay. The first two are exactly correct. Right on the money. Um, And so I'll buy for you. Okay. But Todd's answer is right. But I want to I want to honor the, the the first two dots you connected. I just think you went too far with the third one. But I like the spirit, Constantinus, of uh, what you wrote there. Nathan Kotas says enough states will buy into an article Article Five convention before the GOP reverts back to its conservative values. I'm not sure reverts back to its conservative values. Um, I would buy the first part of that though. Uh, whatever odds you think of enough states signing on to an Article 5 convention of states. Whatever odds you think those are, I can promise you, they're 20,000% higher yep. than the GOP yeah. moving to the right. Okay? So, almost anything. And I won't say anything because I know what you guys will do and that's why we love you. <laughs> the boundaries you will cross to, to, to try and get me to say, okay, I give. Almost anything put up against the GOP moving to the right on a binary choice. I'm going to go with the opposite odds. All right, monkeys flying out of my butt. Pick something. 
All right. So we've already had, what is it? I don't know the number. Is it like a dozen or something? States have already signed on to an Article 5 Convention of States. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they still have a long way to vicinity. go. Yeah. All right. But those odds are exponentially higher, astronomically higher than they are. You're yeah. going to move the Republican Party to the right. To put it in the context of what we just got done talking about, uh, Brie Larson's uh, version of Captain Marvel, will, she will now don the shield and become Captain America, way more likely. Yeah, I mean, the, yes. The GOP returning me, to me, I mean, the odds, the, there's uh, literally higher odds that Marvel and Kevin Feige goes and buys the rights to Bible Man. Yes. Remember, you probably watched that growing up back in the day, right? Your parents had you watch Bible Man, I'm guessing, as a homeschooled kid, Aaron? Oh, no. No, that... <laughs> Even that was too... That was... <laughs> too risky. That was like Harry Potter. <laughs> Do you remember Bible Man? I uh, know I'm Catholic. Oh, that's right. I forget, I forget sometimes because you keep attacking me theologically from the right. Um, but, but the guy who played Bible Man was the uh, second oldest brother on Eight is Enough. Who am I thinking of? Curly-haired one. Peter... The second oldest brother, he was always on uh, Battle yeah, of the no. Network Stars. He was on Charles in Charge. The Pete, you know, Greg, Bo- Peter, Bobby. So Peter, you want his actual no, name? That's, those are the Brady Bunches. I'm oh. thinking eight is enough. Oh, eight is enough. That's a pop culture foul. Got it. Technical Got it. foul. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay. I know who the you're second, about. Not the brother who had the cool hippie van. Okay. Gotcha. But the other brother. Um, yep. And he was also with Scott Bayo on Charles in Charge. Yep. I cannot remember his name, but he played Bible Man. Uh, there was a superhero they made like in the 1990s. I think it was like, you know, same people who do 700 Club and stuff mm-hmm. like that did that. And there are better odds. Isn't his name Amison or something? Willie Ames. Willie Ames. Ames. Yes. Willie Ames. Willie Ames. Yes. Ames. Yes. There are better. He was a stud. I was watching the old uh, reruns of Battle of the Network Stars from back in the day. Dude, he he was a stud on that show. He could crush it. There's better odds that Kevin Feige is going to buy the rights to Bible Man, correct? And and do a theologically orthodox but cinematically flourishing version of that character for Phase Four or any phase of the MCU. There are better odds of that occurring than you moving the Republican Party to the right. True news. That is well put. Uh, next one, Neil Hess says a state in the U.S. will go an entire year without a legal abortion in the in 2020. I could buy that. Yep. I mean, we've got a couple of states right now that either have zero or one. There's a couple of states. I think Mississippi is one. I'm hesitant by right now, but in the next four or five years, that would be a... Where there's zero or one uh, facilities in the state that Kentucky is one them? of them. They yeah. were in the news recently. Yeah, I, I could see yeah. that. I could see that. Given... Bye. Yeah, because we're doing a real good job of attacking it on the supply side. Yeah, so, yeah, I would buy that, sure. All right. Uh, asking for a friend, Jack Hole, Mrs. Doc says, we will see full-fledged... <laughs> we will see full-fledged revolution in Europe, Brexit in the UK, yellow vests in France, before anyone in the U.S. has the political will to stand up to legislation from the bench. Um, buy. You're going to buy. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to sell. And the reason why I'm going to sell is because following this, and I have, I, we just haven't talked about it a lot, but I have actually followed this fairly closely in the last couple of years because I made the prediction the night that the vote came in for Brexit, that they were never going to honor this vote. 
They would just ignore it. They'd find a way around it. Progressives don't lose, guys. You have, you have to defeat them. You have to. And defeat in a way as in they're gone. Defeat in a way as in Adrian Rogers and the Southern Baptist conservatives literally go congregation by congregation purging and firing people. That's, that's, that's what you're dealing with. Cancer, cancer will metastasize if it's allowed to remain. It has to be defeated. Okay. Um, and they're never going to just sit there and allow this quaint little vote to get in their way. So I've kind of followed this more closely than we've talked about it a lot on the show the last couple of years, because I wanted to see if my prediction is going to be right. We're two years into this now and it's batting a thousand. And I think from what I've seen, there's more consternation about this here in the U S than there is over there. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, I, and I, first of all, if you look at European culture, if you look at history, that's things of true. that nature, um, we are far more inclined to uh, take the initiative historically as a people on such a thing uh, than they are. So I'm going to sell. Boy, this is tough. You both. Hey, if you've got a compelling case I, to I buy, think you're let's both hear on it. solid ground, but I, I think I'm going to err on your side, Steve, narrowly. I mean, okay. it is this is neck and neck. Tell me why you thought about purchasing a buy. What 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 Go rationale on. do you think needs to be added to the equation that we just discussed? Uh, you mean why would I go with Aaron? Yeah, yeah. Well, because be, Aaron, you did buy on this, right? That's that, correct. You yeah. thought Europe would be more yes. inclined to have an uprising because okay. uh, un they've actually done something that we haven't done. I mean, th that Brexit vote in and of itself was pretty remarkable. Now there's it's it's but that's the equivalent of it's one thing to talk the talk, it's another thing to walk the walk. I, they talked it hard with that vote, uh, so uh, that that's the main reason why I not being the boots on the ground there, not really knowing, um, and perhaps like you said, you've been paying closer attention. Like how other than voting day, you know where where was the real fire in the belly in that? I, I, I don't know, but uh, it it was emblematic of something that was re that refusal to drink the Kool Aid almost always must be respected because the Kool-Aid is thick and deep over there and they managed to get past it for that vote. That has to be respected. Here's, here's, can I add one more? We're going to add something to that, Aaron? Not necessarily. No. Okay. Here's the thing too, though. They have already permitted Islamization of their civilizations. They've already permitted Correct. this. Okay. They have permitted eradication, really, there's really only two countries upholding the EU financially. The UK is one and uh, Germany is the other. The rest of these are all uh, largely massive debtor nations. They permitted all of that to happen to the point they all had to reboot their economies to start the EU in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they permitted the EU itself, you know, we're, we're, we're only a decade or so into this, already to be pilfered. They permitted refugees to flood yeah. their shores, okay? I mean... You're right, but this is a chicken or an egg thing to me then. Because they're further along, does that mean they're closer that, to that's resurrection? A, that's possible. Or does it mean that they're, they're further along to they're almost because, dead? It's yeah. because of the leaders, the fecklessness of the leaders to allow the Islamization 
Uh, I can't believe I got that word out of my mouth. Um, yeah, that means I said it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that that allowed this type of Islamization of uh, Europe because those types of leaders um, actually exist over here. Those feckless leaders. I think it's far more likely that you will see a very hard to predict, a very short probably, uh, but a very um, uncontainable, I guess, uprising just of people who are having their Howard Beale moment in Europe. Uh, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Uh, I think it's far more likely for that to happen uh, at a time, place, location, locale, whatever, that's really hard to predict really hard to contain just kind of spontaneously mm-hmm. than it is for anybody to say, hey, I'm going to stand up to the black road masters. So that's my reasoning anyway. There's also it, it, there's also the guillotines too. There's there's some history, I guess. Yeah. And that you make a good point there, that there's two ways to read how much they have permitted to occur on their watch as a people. One is that you could read it as they have literally just rolled over. And the other is that they're, and so- they're clo- the other is what you said. They are closer to the breaking point where they just can't be pushed any further than we are, right? That's and, and, and that would get to what you said a few minutes ago where this is really a really close call. And if you look at it from that, per- from that angle, you're right. Then it really does become a close call that you either have, because you'll know in a few years whether you've really rolled over or you are at your breaking point. Because if 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 all the other things I just said they had that the the people of uh, the the alleged freedom loving people of Western Europe have already permitted to occur on their watch have already occurred, and then when they take a stand at the ballot box and they and they vote, and they and they one final time try to use the mainstream system to have their voices heard, and then their progressive elites just look at that and say. Let them eat cake, basically. Okay, if that is is not your breaking point, then then uh, then I don't really know Correct. what is. But guys, I, I see Nigel Farage getting interviewed on Fox News more than I see him getting talked to over there. I see more angst about. I see more coverage of Theresa May and what's going on with putting off all these Brexit votes in the UK Parliament. I, I see more angst about this from our media than I do from them over there. Yeah, you know, no that that might be that's a classic press tactic too. Just uh, nothing to see here. Yeah, out of sight. Yeah, out of mind kind of thing. You bet. Hey, a few years ago, Glenn Beck and his associates started a new company called Real Estate Agents I Trust because not just politicians, but real estate agents also at times can talk a good game and then not deliver the results uh, they promised you when they were needed the most. And so they wanted to start something that would vet agents for buyers rather than hook agents up with buyers. This is about empowering you, or if you're a seller too, you need one too. So this is about empowering you, the customer. You're looking for agents who understand the the complicated process of navigating, buying, and or selling a home uh, and have a long track record of being successful while doing so. That no, this takes more than algorithms. Data helps, but it's not the only thing. And you know, people that are personable, you get along with them. I mean, you guys are going to be working closely together during what can be a rather stressful process. So if you want help to get moving with the right real estate agent, get moving with realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Back with more Buy, Sell, or Hold live or on demand here on The Blaze next. (laughs) 
Imagine being evicted from your own home for not paying home equity loans that you never actually took out. That's exactly what happened to a Portland couple. And any of us could be the next victim. Uh, and the crime is called home title fraud. Uh, a year ago, I had no idea what or how common this crime was, but the consequences can be devastating. Home titles and mortgages are kept online now where criminals, uh, they, hunt, they hunt for them online like they do PayPal accounts, credit cards, your identity, etc. They forge your name, take you off your home's title. Then they borrow money using your home uh, as collateral. And you often don't know about it until the late payments arrive. Identity theft programs, banks, insurances uh, don't protect you. Uh, but for just pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. By putting a virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage. I rely on Home Title Lock uh, to help guard my home. I would recommend you do the exact same thing. It is the biggest investment most Americans will have in their lifetimes is their own home. Some of us may already be victims. Uh, there's an easy way to find out. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and register for a free title scan and report. That's a $100 value, but it's free today if you register for the free title scan and report at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Com. Let's get back to uh, this week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Aaron, yeah, let's get Todd has not stroke rest. out yet. No, let's get through the rest of these rapid fire lightning rounds so that one, we can see Todd stroke out, and two, we can get to another list. Oh, boy. ready for that. Um, Capitino Pensetta says Democrats will have a contested convention. Too many candidates with not enough separation between that. I'm going to sell right now. I'm going to sell on that. Sell. Yeah. Next one is from Matthew Shoon. Tiger Woods, this is the one you're going to st stroke out on. Tiger Woods wins two more majors before MLB gets rid of instant replay. Todd, your thoughts? Sell. Notice how he had to calm himself there. Yep. Get Serenity now. For a second. Serenity now. Yeah. You hit two of Todd's triggers. That was a double Urzen the, trigger. There right are there. way more people than... Uh, I think we've acknowledged on this show that have given up on instant replay. I don't think it's the majority, but there, it's it's not just me sitting here. There are a lot of people that are just this is stupid. You guys, I clearly can't handle it. Let's just go back to the way it was. Um, I'm going to the proposition again is that there's a better likelihood Tiger wins two more majors, right? Yep. Then the MLA, MLB gets rid of instant replay. I'm, I'm going to buy that. And the reason why I'm going to buy it is legalized sports wagering. Yep. Um, I, I, you have a different dynamic now with, with uh, earned speculation as an industry when it comes to sports than you do in commodities or stocks and bonds where there are uh, independent government agencies and organizations that regulate these things. In this case, we've got uh, earned speculation on industries that are regulating themselves, which means they are exposed liability-wise. Uh, if they have outcomes and those sorts of things that are that are uncertain, that uh, can be proven to be fraudulent, you need all the insulation legally against that liability you can possibly have. Instant replay provides one of those. Hey, we had the technology, we went and looked at it, et cetera. We did everything within our power to make this the fairest, most honest outcome we possibly could. Next one, this is Caleb Fields. Fox News will have CNN, MSNBC-level viewership around 10 years from now. I'm still going to sell. I think there's going to be... If they don't change too much, of course, they could always go to the left. But. I, I could possibly buy that if we're talking strictly over-the-air carriage. 
or if, if that makes sense, given the technological. I mean, you have YouTube TV, don't you, Aaron? Is yep. that what you have? Yep. Okay. Works great. I, I was going to buy it a few months ago. Actually, I was. I've been a Direct TV customer since two thousand. When uh, Amy and I still lived in that crummy little apartment and I got my first satellite dish hooked up on the balcony out there, um, I was ready to go. And then they essentially gave me the same hardwired connection service I was already paying for, for the cost that getting um, you know the digital product was going to be. So I figured I've got all the equipment. It's freaking amazing. I might actually. as well just stay. All right. <laughs> yeah, it is. So if... If with technological advances, I in the way the industry is evolving, I think that is possible actually. Pro, but since I don't think that's the spirit that this, I'm guessing he's not approaching it from that perspective, then I will, um, I'll sell. I will sell as well. I think the it might actually go in the end. The idolatry might just be even worse than it is now. I think that's possible. You know, I. I we said on our show a few months ago that we believe you're going to see America, and you're already seeing the opening stages of it. America is descending into warring political cults now, the more secular we become. And you have, you have in, in terms of over-the-air carriage, Fox is, is the only one going after one of those audiences. And you've got every other entity going after all the other audiences. So, Jacob Hibbard says the Cleveland Browns are the most interesting team in the NFL right now. I could buy that. I could buy that. When you look at how loaded their roster is, um, the division they're in, and the notions that the traditional powers there, the Steelers and the Ravens, are on decline, and yet you have this rookie head coach. At the same time, you have an organization that's never had uh, or can't remember the last time they had this kind of pressure. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't following win totals and stuff like that when Bernie Kosar and Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner uh, and Webster Slaughter just pulled out some names from our childhood. We're leading those Browns teams and went to the playoff. Aaron's like, what are those things? That's back when the Browns actually made the AFC championship game two years in a row, young man. And John Elway broke their hearts both years. Uh, I don't, so I don't know what like the Browns win total in 1990 when Marty Schottenheimer was coaching them was, and they were a perennial playoff team. I have no idea. Okay. But in this era, I can promise you, they have not had since the team was came back in 1999 after uh, Art Modell moved the team to Baltimore. Since the team came back in 1999, they have never had a win total of like nine by the odds makers. No way. Nothing even remotely close to that. And that's their win total right now. So I do think they might be the most interesting team in the NFL at the moment, Todd. Uh, they're among them, but I, I'm selling because they aren't, to me, the, the most interesting. I'm just as interested now in the Cardinals. I'm interested in the Raiders. I think there's, and you know, that we need to have a couple of weeks before we can definitively say which is the most interesting, but they're in the conversation. Okay. This one is from Todd Saffel, who says the NCAA will avoid paying players by allowing players full control over their likeness and endorsements. That's an easy buy. What is, what is stopping them from making this happen tomorrow? Because it gives them the last bit of control that they have over the process. All right. But, but they're, they're going to get pushed to the point that they will eventually, it, this is the Berlin Wall for the NCAA. Okay, you 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 can't predict the day it will come down. But as your um, as the great prophet Jesus Jones once sang, watching the world wake up from history. As you're watching this happen, okay. How how about that reference? You had to like that one. It, yeah, it took me a second, but yeah, that I was pretty it. good. Yeah. yeah, all right. So as you're watching that occur, you can't like 
imagine that tomorrow you would get up and the Berlin Wall was there, but you also can't imagine that it will be there 10 years from now at the same time. You know what I'm trying to say? Events are in motion. So this will be the last, this will be the last finger, the pinky, that you will have to detach and pry from the, 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 the cup from their cold, dead hands. Because this removes almost all the power they have if, if, if you give this up. And if there's one thing bureaucracies and progressives in general like, it's what more than anything else. Control. But you would but think they, that this they, is they just will one, have to eventually. This is just one lawsuit away, though. This is. I agree. That's why they will have to eventually. This, yeah. Because it's yep. not constitutional. Yep. They will have to eventually. I, I will sell really quickly. Be, it, I get where you're both at. But I've been involved in youth sports on multiple levels for a very long time. Coach, uh, official, parent, uh, help administrate, all of it. And, and this, by extension, is youth athletics, amateur athletics. The, the, the people who involve, they're like educators. They just, they, for the good of the children, they will, they will always go the Rube Goldberg machine route. They cannot take some of this. They will, it might end up there, but not because of what they decide it will be a default they will try to get beyond that obvious answer in any way they can. I agree I with you. you. I agree with you. They will, but eventually, the wall will come down. I agree with you. They 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 will. I agree that they will, but eventually it will come down with the momentum that we're currently under. I don't see that the this ends any other way, but but that. Michael Mudgwood says after Trump wins in 2020, he will finally go after GOP because he no longer has to worry about getting reelected from your lips to God's ears, Michael, but sell. Sell. I'm going to sell only for this reason, Michael. I think it's it's utterly impossible to know. And in some ways, I'm kind of curious to find out. (laughs) It's utterly impossible to know how a Donald Trump who will be pushing 80 years old that doesn't have to face the re-election of the people that would have been re-elected when everybody told him his presidency was doomed after getting elected, after everybody told him he couldn't win. Um, and he's defeated the Mueller probe and everything else he'd have to get around to get re-elected. And then to be pushing 80, have all that money in the bank. And I, I think it's impossible to know what he will do. Like I, I, I actually believe there, there's just as high of odds that he will do, Michael, what you suggested, as he will pull a Thanos and, you know, uh, just uh, take off his sport coat. It's hanging over there in the courtyard of Trump Tower. And uh, he's just going to sit back and watch the sunset on a grateful world, I mean, <laughs> a grateful universe. I don't think there's any way of guessing what somebody with his persona, makeup, and ego after having defeated all of those opponents and now having really nothing to threaten him with. He's beyond accountability in an earthly sense, politically. I, I have no idea. I can't even begin to fathom how he would behave in that environment. So I'm only going to sell because anything you would ask me to predict he would do in that environment, I'm going to sell on because I think we have no clue what he would do. We would have never seen anything like this in American history. Somebody who's totally independent of the political process, who's, who, when it's over, does not have 20 years to look forward to being seen as a statesman, needs to now go hit the speaker circuit to make real money. You know, stuff we've seen with presidents in the past, we, we don't, all that's out the window. And we have no idea how he would behave in that environment. It'll be damn fascinating to watch, though, if it happens. Correct. 
All right, le- uh, last few. I uh, just want buy, sell, or hold. No explanation. I'm sorry. The uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie will so, actually so. be good for Matthew Cardrell. Did you guys ever get into Sonic the Hedgehog? No, I hate no. it. I hated it. Uh, Tony Mercer says, Todd will get arrested at a track meet in the next three years because Tranny Madness. That's a buy. Bye. And that should be uh, the one of the biggest compliments Todd gets uh, ever. <laughs> Dueling nice. Politics says, Maduro puts down the uprising in Venezuela and Trump sends in special forces to take him out. I, I really hope it's a sell. Yes, a sell. Also. All right. Uh-oh. Oh, it's no. the top 10 Marvel moments. Okay. Excluding Endgame, courtesy. Okay. You know what I'm going to say next. You know what I'm going to say next. Is it something like Rolling, Rolling Stone? Stone? Courtesy of Rolling Stone. <laughs> Why do you keep going back to that? Because of that right because there. Because of that. <laughs> <sighs> Number 10. Enter Nick Fury. Hey, I, hold up, hold up. I got to ask right now. Is number one. Don't. don't jo- Joe Russo is openly gay man. It talks about taking a date. I said excluding and gay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So number 10 is uh, enter Nick Fury, Iron Man. The first one. What? The last, the, like the end Just, credit scene? Yeah. When he steps in. Matt, that basically invented end credit scenes, right? Yeah. So this is just the top 10. Yeah, that was the very first Hmm. one. For that reason, I might might sell that it should be higher, not knowing what's coming next. Wow. A top 10 moments? Yeah. That was the first time we heard of the name of the Avengers or any reference Uh, to it or a wider universe. There's got to be 10 better in this. Pick up the pace. Let's go. Okay, sell. Sell. All right. Because I think it should be higher. Hulk smashes Loki, the Avengers, the first one. Oh, that's that's got to be higher. That's like in my top three. So Bye. sell. I would sell. It's got to be higher. Uh, Captain America's elevator escape. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Oh, that's such a great Bye. scene, but I'll buy it. That's, that's a good place for it. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, or Guardians Assemble. This is from Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Oh, I so. don't even remember that. All scene. the all the events that you just mentioned are, are all better, are better than, than that. Yeah. 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 Uh, the airport battle. Captain America, Civil War. Sell. I think Sell. all. I mean, it was nice to watch. It was but a little I, overrated. I, I, I think. Yeah. I, I, if, take out Spider Man and Giant Man, and and all the same characters. Was it really that great? It was a little overrated. I agree. I, I, I think the reveals of Spider Man and Giant Man are what make that best. So all those other moments that we already at the bottom, I think, are better. All right. This one is one, two, three, four, five. So this one is number five. Doctor Strange gets psychedelic. He's Sell. floating. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. again, the ones at the bottom are better. Yeah. Um, Spidey climbs the Washington Monument, Spider-Man Homecoming. Sell. Ten, nine, and eight are better yep, than anything that's been the last the last yeah. four picks on this list. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Thor versus Hulk. By the way, I need to, that means I need to go back three. to the Captain America elevator scene where I hit buy. I need to sell. That now needs to be higher yep. based on the other moments you put on this list. Yeah. Uh, this is number three, Thor versus Hulk. From Thor Ragnarok. Should sell. be in the top 10. But I don't think it's... But it's too, it shouldn't be higher than the ones we just mentioned. So yeah. sell, it's too high. Yeah. Number two, is this your king? Black Panther 2018. Oh, that's... Uh, sell. 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 Okay. Black Panther's an okay movie. That's number two. Way too high. Probably not even a top 10 m- moment. You guys ready for number one? No. Clearly no. No, I'm clearly not. Are you sure? Uh, and and um, it's ex- got to be Captain Marvel, I'm I guessing. Said, I said excluding Endgame. That's got to be Captain Marvel. Since we went Black Panther, going to play the intersectionality game here at Rolling Stone. Go ahead. Number one, Captain Marvel gets up. Wow. Is there even a moment from Infinity War in that? My work here is done. 
I, man, hold on. I got a bad itch. Just a second. A snap, maybe? No, we can't do that on TV, oh, Steve. I was itching my forehead. What are you talking about? <laughs> Captain Marvel gets up. <laughs> that's just uh, that's just trolling. Captain right Marvel gets up, huh? Yeah. Uh, it started Black with Black Panther and Captain Marvel are numbers one and two. Listen, I think Black I mean, Panther's a good movie. I think it's also the most overrated movie of the Marvel I, Cinematic I think you guys universe. are way too hard on Rolling Stone. We know that it is one of the most reputable... Well, yeah. It's a troll. Definitely a troll. That's all I got. What did we learn here today, gentlemen? Final thoughts, Todd. Well, that, unfortunately, despite one of the greatest cinematic achievements of all time, we apparently have less clarity than more regarding what excellence means. Yeah, I think I'll learn next time. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do another list, like top 10 or 15 relocation mistresses. Maybe I'll actually do some work next week. Would that be okay? I'll actually earn my paycheck for once? What, what show is this? What, what, who are you? You went to a movie three times yeah. in, in, in a weekend, and now you're talking about putting in some effort at the same time? A little we, boy's we, growing up over here, isn't we it? We really want to, but do we really want to take so you down fast. that road again? They grow up so fast these days. How old are you, Aaron? 26? I, I guess, yeah. yeah. 26, 26 is the new 80. 15? Yeah. yeah. In, because he's working harder? I, or, uh, or working Working, at all? working. Yeah. <laughs> Working. I thought you said you got to work. He's doing it wrong, man. Aren't you supposed to work smarter? That's what I believe in. I believe in working smarter, not harder. Yeah. Well, then he's going backwards, isn't he? Yeah. At this point, we'll just take work out of him. Period. What work can smart, I say? Work bad. I exist to exist. If that's not the millennial creed. <laughs> just a regular Descartes over there. Yeah. <laughs> Job Socrates. Yeah. Way to bring it home. I exist to exist. Oh, that's the dumbest thing I've heard today since uh, Tulsi Gabbard said she wants to give you a tax credit to, or uh, actually, no, it's Deliver flat out on. cash payment so you can donate to your, yeah. uh, so you can donate to campaigns. Yeah. Man, her campaign is so random. I thought it might be kind of cool at the beginning. <laughs> you know what would be a really dumb idea too? Is if like, a strict constitutionalist decided that um, he could come up with a conservative entitlement that uh, government would let you keep more of your money provided you only agreed to spend it in the way government said, which is kind of the same thing what Tulsi Gabbard suggested, right? No, the American people are not that stupid. Steve. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think the conservative movement put up with something like that. So I'm glad that it's never happened. We'll be back at it again here tomorrow, making friends and influencing no people right here on The Blaze. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On The Blaze Radio Network.